you know, humanity has never really figured out how to, how to deal with the afterlife. You know, one of, the, one of the oldest stories that we have in recorded written history is a story called the Epic of Gilgamesh. And it really is about the hero trying to attain immortality. The Egyptian culture was a culture that was fascinated, really obsessed with the afterlife. So much so that they eventually created the mummification process. I mean, the process by which we, you know, we see mummies now in Egypt and the thing that that was really there trying to strive to find immortality or to make sure that they were prepared for whatever came in the afterlife. And, And even our present culture, since 2010, movies about vampires have grossed three billion dollars with a B. That's a lot. Okay, Um, movies about. Uh, zombies have grossed over $500 million because for human beings, we, we've just, we're fascinated by it. We, I, I don't know all the reasons for all of those numbers, and I'm not preaching against any of those things. I'm just using that to kind of set the tone to say, hey, there's something about humans that have always attempted to figure out what happens after the life that we're a part of now. Maybe you don't struggle with that. Maybe you don't watch those movies. Maybe you don't read those books. Maybe you haven't ever had those thoughts or those questions. I would call you a liar if you say that today. But I think we always have been trying to figure out what happens. Is this all there is? Is is this life the only thing that exists? Is it the only thing that matters? Is it the only thing, what I can see with my eyes, is it all that there is? And so we've been fascinated by it. And so we, we wonder, we ask the questions, do I... Do I come back? Am I reincarnated? Do I come back as a zombie? Do I come back as a vampire? Is there something that I get to do? Can, I, can this life affect the next life? In fact, many world religions were created around or grew because of their view, their take on the afterlife. And Christianity is not exempt from that. Christianity in itself takes on the subject matter of the afterlife and what happens after death, what happens after this life from a lot of different angles. And truth be told, depending on how you were presented that information, a number of people were either brought to Christianity or turned away from Christianity based on the way that they were taught or, or presented the idea of what Christians believe about the afterlife. And, and the Bible talks about it in a number of different places. One of the places that this is discussed is in the book of John John chapter 11 is a story that's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Even if you never really read the Bible, you may have heard this story or at least a reference to it. But it's a story about a guy named Lazarus. And Lazarus was a a friend of Jesus. And, And Jesus got word that Lazarus had died in John chapter 11. And he's really just a few miles down the road, about two miles down the road. And instead of immediately going to be with the family, instead of immediately going to be a part of what in present day we might call the receiving of friends. Instead of going to be a part of the friends that were being received, he delays for a couple of days. And he doesn't go. And that's important in that culture because they really believe some specific things about the number of days after death that the spirit left the body. And Jesus just kind of hung out a couple miles down the road and did not come to be with the family. And in John chapter 11, verse 21, we read an interaction here, a conversation between Jesus and one of the two sisters of Lazarus. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And we read about both of them in this entire story, but we're just going to kind of focus in here for a moment on a conversation between Martha, one of those sisters, and Jesus. So beginning in verse 21 of John chapter 11, we read this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 23 says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
And Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now notice what Jesus said in verse 25. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say I will be resurrected. He didn't say I'm about to resurrect Lazarus. He didn't say wait until Easter because it's going to be awesome. Chocolate and peanut butter eggs. And I mean, he didn't say any of those things. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Not I will be, not I'm going to do. I am present tense, active, alive. I am the resurrection and the life. That's a different take for me than what Easter has always meant. Because this is Easter Sunday. We, we celebrate on Easter the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've referenced it several times. And we'll, we'll reference it several more times because that's what Easter is. Easter is about resurrection. Easter Sunday is this one day in the calendar year. This year it's April 20th. Next year it may be in January. I have no idea how they choose where Easter Sunday is in the calendar year. No, but it's Easter 20th. And so today, all day long, we're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating something. We have hope because of Easter Sunday. But the sad reality about Easter is when we only celebrate it one day a year, Easter loses its power. Because Easter is about resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He, he's saying here that, that resurrection can't be confined to a single historical event or it loses its power. If we make resurrection about a moment in time, then we're referencing a past tense event. And he made resurrection about a present active person. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and resurrection cannot be confined to that single event. Read, read on to what he said. I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Verse 26 says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Easter wasn't just an event. It was a make or break belief. Do you believe in the resurrection? I'm not asking you to answer out loud unless you just want to. But do you believe in the resurrection? If you, if you would say, yes, that's awesome. But I, I think there's probably some of us in the room, if we're honest, we have trouble with this part of the story. Do you believe in the resurrection? If you, if you don't believe in the resurrection, do you believe that resurrections happen today? If you don't believe the first one, you probably don't believe the second one. But have you asked yourself why you don't believe or maybe why you struggle so much with this idea, this concept, this event, this thing that transpired at some point in history or somebody made up this story? Have you asked yourself why you struggle to believe that idea? Because here's the interesting take on all of this. The same people who recorded the teachings of Jesus. The same people who recorded the miracles of Jesus. The same people who recorded that he declared himself to be the son of God. The same John that we read from just a minute ago in John 14, 6 said that Jesus declared that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one could get to God unless they came through him, the son, Jesus. Do we struggle to believe those things? Maybe we do, and that's okay. But the same people that told us those things, the same people that recorded the teachings, the same people that recorded the miracles, those are the same people that told us that he resurrected. They're the same people that declared that he was alive after he was dead. Many of them 
confessed to be witnesses of that event. That either they saw the empty tomb or they saw Jesus alive after they had seen him dead on the cross. And so if we struggle with the resurrection, we have to call into question all of the things that they said about Jesus that maybe we take as, okay, yeah, he was a good teacher. He was a good guy. He did have some incredible miracles that he performed, though I can't understand all of those. Because it's hard to separate those two things. It's difficult for us to try to separate out and say, I don't believe in the resurrection, but I do believe all the other things. I don't believe in the resurrection, but I take at face value most of the other things that I read in the Gospels or the Scriptures. Because the same people that told us what he said, told us he was raised from the dead. I read that last night. I thought that was incredible. That the same people who told us what he said, told us he was raised from the dead. It's the exact same people. And so it's difficult for us to separate out this idea that we can believe some of the things, but we can't believe others. But Jesus said here in a conversation with Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. That whoever dies, if he believes in me, will actually live And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? He made it this big make or break belief in all of this. One of the guys that recorded a lot about the life of Jesus that we know was a guy by the name of Paul. Paul was a guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he records for us a lot about the things that we know about Jesus and the church and the organization of the church. He was a a witness of a resurrected Jesus on this Damascus road in this really powerful scene in the book of Acts. And he tells of this story a little bit throughout some of the New Testament writings. He references those. In 1 Corinthians 15, he's writing a letter to a group of people in the city of Corinth. That's why it's Corinthians. He's writing that letter to them. And this is the first of those letters. In the middle of this book, in the middle of this letter, and we've been living here for a couple of weeks because we just came out of 1 Corinthians 13. But in 1 Corinthians 15, he's referencing some questions that these people had. They've asked questions. Maybe they wrote to him and asked these questions. Or they sent these questions through somebody that brought these to Paul. And now he's responding to those questions. And they're questions about faith. And they're questions about the church. And they're questions about things that they had believed previously. Based on the teachings of Paul or the teachings of one of the other apostles. And now they're beginning to doubt those things. Now they're beginning to wonder, is it true what they said? And are all the things that we were told and taught are those things true and they begin to search those things out and paul responds to their questions in first corinthians chapter 15 we're going to read a couple verses here beginning in verse 17 this is what paul says he says and if christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins in that case all who have died believing in christ are lost and if our hope in christ is only for this life we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world but in fact, Christ has raised, has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Now, Paul does two really interesting things in these verses of Scripture. Two things that you might not even realize unless you stop here and think about what he just said. Now, he's, he's laid out a lot of cool things in the first 16 verses of this chapter. But beginning in verse 17, he makes a very declarative statement. He said, if Jesus... Had not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. Now, we like to equate our sins being forgiven to the cross. And rightly so. But Paul here is saying that you can't separate the cross from the empty tomb. Because if you say that he was not resurrected, you are saying that there was some power on earth more powerful than him. 
And so how would he have the power to forgive sins? If Christ had not been raised, he said, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. And in that case, everyone who's ever died before you who believed in Christ is lost. It doesn't matter what they believed if they didn't believe in the resurrection. If it wasn't true, then no matter what you believed about it, it didn't matter. So the first thing that Paul is saying here is that if you don't believe in the resurrection, it doesn't matter what else you believe. And I think for some of us, we... We've kind of thought, oh, that's a cool story. It's a one day a year thing that we celebrate. But we cannot separate that from the story because of the power of God that is demonstrated through the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And Paul is declaring that. He's saying, listen, the resurrection, if it's not true, then none of the other stuff matters. It's a big deal. The second thing that Paul does here is he foreshadows. He, he tells, he kind of points towards another resurrection. He said in verse 20 that we read together, he said, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Now, we're going to read in just a minute another passage of scripture from this same chapter that references that even greater. But he here kind of foreshadows of, of another resurrection that Jesus being raised from the dead is not a one time standalone single event in history. That it's a part of a larger story to demonstrate something larger about the story of God. So let's jump down to verse 51 of 1 Corinthians 15 and let's keep reading. This is still Paul writing here. He says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then our dying bodies have been transformed. When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul here is writing a passage that some of us may be familiar with. We may have heard it read. It's it's very popular to read at funerals. Because it, it references the emotion that we feel related to death. The sting. The, the, the sense that something is missing. It hurts. That that thing that we talked about earlier where humans have just never figured out the finality that comes with death. If you've ever sat in a funeral of someone that you love, you know what that feels like. You just feel, you feel, you feel that sting. You feel that hurt. You feel that pain. You feel that sense of longing to say a few more words, to hug them one more time, to go do whatever was your favorite shared experience to do. You just, you feel that. And what Paul is referencing here, he's saying, listen, We have hope beyond those moments that feel hopeless. He's saying there's more to life than what we experience here on earth. The finality that you experience, the things that you think put a period on it, it's not the end of the story. There's something else that's happening. That that Christ as the first among a great harvest, he's saying, listen, and we read it. Those who have already died, those that we've loved and they've already died, they've passed on, they're going to be raised back to life. And their mortal bodies here are going to be transformed into immortal bodies. And those who are still living when this happens are going to be transformed as well. And the story doesn't end when you think that the story ends. 
You remember Good Friday? It's two days ago. Anybody remember that? It's a long, long time ago. Good Friday is a day that we have the opportunity to remember. You think about the cross. Good Friday is a day when we we look at the cross and, and we don't celebrate it, though sometimes it comes across as celebrating that. I mean, the work that was done on the cross, it's powerful, but it's more of a somber remembrance. Good Friday is a day that we can pause and reflect and remember. But you and I have an advantage because we experience every Good Friday comforted by the fact that Sunday's coming. We experience Friday knowing that though we see the cross and we see the looming tomb, that on Sunday the tomb will be empty. Right? That can preach right there. But the disciples did not have that advantage. The followers of Jesus that had walked the earth with him for three years, listening to his teachings, watching him perform the miracles, watching as he declared himself to be the son of God, standing beside him as he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody gets to God unless they come through me. They heard him say those things. They watched him do those things. And then they saw that he was arrested. And then they saw that he was taken and he was beaten. And then he was hung on a cross. And this guy that they loved, this friend, their rabbi, their teacher, their master, this guy that said that he had all authority under heaven and earth. That the Father had given to him the authority to do anything on this earth. He hung on a cross. And just before he took his last breath, he said, It is finished. Now again, you and I can read through that and know the rest of the story. But if I'm a disciple standing there looking at the cross, looking at my friend... I don't yet know him as Savior. I just know him as Jesus. He's my teacher. He's the miracle worker. When he says it's finished, and then he dies, I think it's finished. I think the story's over. He's lived a good life. He's done a lot of cool things. And the people that wanted him dead, they may now want me dead. And I don't spend Saturday looking ahead to Sunday. I spend Saturday thinking about Friday. And I'm scared. And I'm alone. And I'm afraid. And I'm uncertain. Because I don't know. I don't know. He said it was finished. Maybe he meant everything we had done, everything we had accomplished. Maybe he meant it's over. It's done. We had a good ride, fellas. It's over. The same God that told us he had the power to do anything by the authority of God, the Father. The same guy that healed the sick, opened blinded eyes. The same guy that taught and confounded the scholars. Was powerless, it seemed. Against even death. He's the same as us. He was... 
put to death just like one day maybe we would and we're confused and we're worried and we're scared and we don't know what to do. And I can imagine that Saturday and even early Sunday morning not being filled with hope, not being assured that the story is going to play out the way that God the Father always intended it, but being afraid and searching and wondering, I wonder what comes next. of Easter, okay? The resurrection proved his power over death. And his power over death proves his power for life. His resurrection proved his power over death. And the power over death proves the power for life. Now, here's what I mean by that. And I want us, I want us to read really quickly. I know you're standing. From Romans chapter 8. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8. Verses 10 and 11, it'll be up on the screens. It says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. By this same spirit living within you. That, that's amazing to me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. It lives in you. That should be the most hope-filled thing that you hear all day. All week, all month, all year. That the same power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in Now, here's why that matters. Here's why that matters. Because for a lot of us, we've got some stuff that's dead. We've got finances that seem, they've been left for dead. We can't ever get ahead. We can't ever do what we need to do financially. Some of us, it's our jobs or maybe lack of jobs. It's just a dead place in our life. It's a constant place of struggle and fear and worry and doubt and uncertainty. For some of us, it's relationships. Our relationship with our kids, relationship with parents, relationships on our jobs. For some of us, it's our marriages. I mean, it's just a dead place. Guess what? The same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. It means to me that the power of the resurrection that proves that even death isn't more powerful than him gives me power for life, power for living. It says to me that Easter's not an event. Resurrection isn't a historical event. Resurrection is a person. And his name is Jesus. Remember what we read? John chapter 11, I am the resurrection. So if I want to have access to the power, if I want to have access to the resurrection, if I want to know that the dead places of my life can be raised to life in Christ, I've got to find my identity in Christ. 
And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's going to be looking around as you stand there or sit where you're sitting. And I just want to ask two questions before we pray. The first of those questions is, do you believe? Do you believe? Every scripture that we've read today references this power available to you if you believe. Jesus to Martha said, do you believe what I'm telling you about the resurrection? Paul, in referencing the things that they were turning away from and the teachings that they had been taught, he says, if you don't believe, it doesn't matter. Do you believe? Does Christ live in you? Do you believe in the power of resurrection? Do you believe in resurrection itself? Do you try to separate out the things that say, I believe this part about who he said he was, but not this part? You can't do that. Because the same guy that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life said, I am the resurrection. The same guy that said, you can't get to the Father except through me said, I'm the resurrection. The same guy that said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so today, if you would say, I don't believe, I may have believed at some point, but I've walked away from it. I I may say with my lips that I believe, but I do not live with my life, a life that says, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the power of the resurrection and I need him to come. I need him to come into my life. I want to live life in Christ. I want to, I want my identity to be found in Jesus Christ with nobody looking around. If you would say today, I need Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Would you lift your hand and put it right back down? Thank you. Put it right back down. I want us to pause just for a moment before we move on and pray right now for the hands that were lifted. God, we thank you today for those who have made a decision for you. They have acknowledged their need for you today. They've said, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I need to believe in you and the power of the resurrection. I don't want to be one of those people that Paul was talking about that says, I believe certain things, but I don't believe in the resurrection because without that power, I know that nothing else I believe matters. It's useless. It's futile. And so today, God, I, I choose to believe. And I pray that for every person that raised their hand just now, every person that with their heart was searching for a savior in that moment, God, that they responded in some way, God, that you would right now, even as their hand was lifted before I even said the words, God, they knew that they needed to acknowledge you. God, forgive their sins. Be the Lord and Savior of their life today. We thank you for that. And now with every head bowed and every eye still closed, I'm going to ask one last question. If you would say to me today, Jeremy, I've got some dead places in my life. I got some stuff. I got, I got a marriage, dating relationship, friends and family, kids, parents, I've got a job or lack of, I've got finances. Something in my life is dead and needs to be alive. And I want the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to raise to life the things in my life that need raising. Would you lift your hand? You can put them right back down. Tons of hands. You can put them right back down. I want to pray right now. God, we thank you for every hand that's been raised. I know that's an intimidating thing. God, nobody's looking around. And I know that even lifting their hands in that moment seems intimidating. But right now, I pray for every person that lifted their hands. God, I pray life. Just breathe life into the things that are dead in their life. 
God, I pray now for our marriages. I pray for the relationships. I pray for our homes. I pray for relationships with our kids and relationships with our parents and friends and on our jobs. I pray, God, for the people that have jobs but want different jobs or need peace on that job. God, do that work. I pray now, for God, for people that are looking for jobs, that you would open doors right now for them to find those jobs. Put them in the right place, God. I pray for favor on their lives. I pray, God, for the people that just need a financial miracle. God, show up in their lives. Let them know that you are not too big to step right into that situation and do a miracle. You own it all anyway, God. We pray for every dead place represented in this room to be made alive through the power that raised Jesus from the dead. God, we thank you now for Easter Sunday. We, we just thank you. We pause to celebrate you, to say thank you for what you've done, who you are. God, we thank you that Easter and the resurrection is not an event, but it's a person. It's the identity of Jesus Christ. And God, because he was made alive, I can be made alive. Because he has a purpose, I have a purpose. Because he found victory, I can find victory. God, we thank you that as we find our identity in Jesus Christ, that God, we find our identity in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.